Do you find that you're working from home or working virtually a lot more than you used to, even if you're going into work or working on the front line? And have you been wondering why you feel so tired at the end of the day, even if you've not moved an inch or gone anywhere? And do you worry about how you're going to manage if this new virtual way of working becomes the norm going forwards? In this podcast, I'm joined by Dr. Katja Miles, the working well doctor, a GP and occupational health doctor turned wellbeing trainer and coach. We talk about how to work well from home, how to flex your working hours without spending all your time at work and how to create good boundaries between work and home life. So listen if you want to find out what the third space is between work and home and how to use it to get a better work-life balance how to maximise your physical working space and set up and how to give yourself permission to spend time planning how to work well from anywhere. Welcome to You Are Not A Frog, life hacks for doctors and busy professionals who want to beat burnout and work happier. I'm Dr Rachel Morris. I'm a GP, turned coach, speaker and specialist in teaching resilience and I'm interested in how we can wake up and be excited about going to work no matter what. I've had 20 years experience of working in the NHS, both on the front line and teaching leadership and resilience. I know what it's like to feel overwhelmed, worried about making a mistake and one crisis away from not coping. 2021 promises to be a particularly challenging year. Even before the coronavirus crisis, we were facing unprecedented levels of burnout. We have been compared to frogs in a pan of slowly boiling water, working harder and longer. And the heat has been turned up so slowly that we hardly notice the extra long days becoming the norm and have got used to the low-grade feelings of stress and exhaustion. Let's face it, frogs generally only have two choices stay in the pan and be boiled alive or jump out of the pan and leave but you are not a frog and that's where this podcast comes in you have many more options than you think you do it is possible to be master of your own destiny and to craft your work and life so that you can thrive even in the most difficult of circumstances Through training as an executive and team coach, I discovered some hugely helpful resilience and productivity tools that transformed the way I approached my work. I've been teaching these principles over the last few years as the Shapes Toolkit programme, because if you're happier at work, you'll simply do a better job. In this podcast, I'll be inviting you inside the minds of friends, colleagues and experts, all who have an interesting take on this, so that together we can take back control to thrive, not just survive in our work and our lives and love what we do again. Are you constantly stressed and thinking about work? Does your laptop come with you on holiday? Your to-do list have permanent residence in your brain and your worry about how to handle the latest crisis wake you up in the small hours. Then it's time to get your life back and that's exactly what our brand new online course will help you do. It's a 60-minute reset for healthcare professionals to shift your mindset so you can set boundaries and limits around your work without the endless guilt that you've not done enough. It's just £27 and you can get instant access now when you go to shapestoolkit.com slash get your life back. 
that it's fantastic to have with me on the podcast today, Dr. Katja Mars. Now, Katja is otherwise known as the Working Well Doctor, and she's a GP and occupational health doctor turned wellbeing trainer and careers coach. Wow, so that's quite a big portfolio, Katja. Thank you. Uh, I hadn't thought of it that way before. Yes, I guess it's enough to keep me out of trouble, which is the general idea. <laughs> out of trouble and, and working well, hopefully. And I can imagine that actually how to work well is is something that we're all wondering right now. I think it's helpful to think about the process of how we work, including how we're working at the moment, mainly from home or virtually. Some of us are at work, like GPs or clinic hospital doctors are often at work, but often a lot of their consultations are done virtually now. So actually we're working virtually, even if we are at work. So we're actually virtually working virtually, whether we're on the front line or whether we're at home. And yeah. I think it's interesting what you say, this thing about we need to think about how to do it, because I think before COVID, a lot of us weren't really thinking about how we're working. And I, I have had lots of chats with uh, people fairly close to me saying, you know, why can't you work from home one or two days a week? Or why can't you do this or that? And the answer's always come back, oh, couldn't possibly couldn't possibly because we've got clients and we've got this and that and and actually they've now found out that oh we possibly can and it, it, it's actually worked out and so they've gone from no way never because this is the way we've always done it to oh now what what is a possibility and what what can be helpful but of course like you said there's good things and there's bad things and what we don't want to do is throw the baby out with the, with the bathwater and it become all virtual because that's a bit of a nightmare but neither will we go back to I think all completely face-to-face like we used to. Yeah I think that's right I think lots of workplaces and definitely those outside healthcare as well are thinking that that what's the longer term model going to be there's obviously a cost benefit for both workers and employers to having some people working from home And of course, there's ecological benefits, you know, less emissions and all that. And, you know, personal in your personal pocket as well. You obviously maybe if you're traveling less to work, that's helpful. Um, So there are some benefits. It's interesting, again, talking about benefits and culture change. So, you know, when I was working in occupational health before the pandemic, working from home was something or working virtually was something we would recommend as an adjustment sometimes it did have to be recommended as a reasonable adjustment by an actual doctor for like you said for the manager for the employer to take it on board and then it, some adjustments and some planning had to be put in place whether it's you know having an internet connection at home or whatever and often we would recommend it for people who had limited mobility and it was difficult for them to get into work or and so forth um so and i think obviously people with caring responsibilities for a long time have uh, try to do some flexible working or home working because it is it gives you that flexibility so as long as it's planned you can in theory work at hours that are different from your standard nine to five I think that's one of the other advantages of working from home if you set it up and there's a task to be done but you can um, do it in your own time and fit it around other commitments whether they're childcare commitments or homeschooling which we're just hopefully coming to the end of now fingers crossed <laughs> fingers and toes crossed, crossed. <laughs> exactly hopefully by the time this podcast comes out everyone yeah. will be back and cool um but yeah no those are good examples of even prior pre-pandemic of when home working or flexible working was considered but it was a big like you said it felt like a big deal quite often not always but quite often to to arrange and I think you're right now one of the in my view one of the silver linings of the pandemic is exactly what you said that there's now a culture shift where it's not seen as a big deal that it's now people have done it and managers and processes and clients who interact with workers are much more uh, understanding and they understand people are at home and there might be a few slight changes, but ultimately, as long as the work gets done, 
I think that can be a positive situation. Mm. I think possibly what has happened is that actually employers don't often know how to advise people properly about working at home. They've got all the health and safety stuff about what to do in the workplace, but actually how are you going to advise people when everyone's setup is completely different and, Mm. you know, everyone's uh, lifestyle is completely different and everyone's challenges are completely different depending on the the age of your family or if you live on your own or if you're a carer, all those sorts of things. So I think one of the reasons why I wanted to get you uh, to talk is I know you're a real expert in in this and I know you've written an article called eight tips for work for working from home and and I wanted to uh be able to share this with the listeners because I think it's they're really really important and a lot of it is what I talk about in terms of resilience as well and I but I do think we need to be thinking about how we do this virtually because it is different yeah. isn't it what are the is. main differences that you've noticed yeah, I think you're right. I think flexibility we've touched on. That's one of, I guess, you might call the key advantages. Um, but again, it needs to be managed because the almost the corollary of flexibility is blurring of boundaries. So I think the next point I make in my little ebook I've written uh, is exactly that, that flexibility is great, but with it comes a potential blurring of boundaries between your work and your home life. And that can be problematic. Obviously, for those of us who are working virtually at work, we have that advantage because we're going to somewhere else to work and coming home. For those of us who are working from home, it can be quite tricky. If we have, like you said, people living with us, children or others, they might interrupt. You know, no, I think we've all had those experiences. <laughs> um, we were just laughing, weren't we? Because I, just before we started the podcast, even though I've got a, a notice, I put my door saying podcast, keep out. I can still, my daughter sings wherever she is and it's very lovely, but it does tend to interfere with webinars and podcasts. It's funny, isn't it? Or somebody can be uh, using up your bandwidth and you're like, excuse yes. me, I knew that for my uh, Zoom call. Um so I think all of those things, I think we had only touched on those issues before. And I think it's partly about expectation of the other. So often if you're in a meeting, mm. there's a cultural shift now, isn't there, where people previously might have been frowned upon or you would have felt very awkward if you had an interruption on a big business meeting. But now I think people in general are more accepting that you might get interrupted because it might happen to them too, um, whether it's a pet or a child or a significant other wandering in. So I think that's one thing that can happen is that blurring of boundaries. And I think there are ways to manage it. I mean, obviously the answer is to be clear about boundaries. Like you said, you've got your notice on the door and so on. But as you've also just pointed out, it doesn't always work. So I think it's worth having a little couple of strategies in your back pocket. So I think when it comes to interruptions, exactly that, telling people, this is when I'm working. And then maybe, especially if you've got younger children, assigning another adult to be in charge and tell it as long as a child understands you know maybe not a tiny baby just telling the child as well I am working now if you need something go to this other person and then obviously you know in the teamwork spirit of a family you might then do the reverse for your for your partner when they're working I think it is about being explicit isn't it and again that I think that does get right back to boundaries I think that's one theme I think that's run through this ebook I've written is being explicit about what you can and can't do when you can and can't do it is really helpful for everybody because then it sets expectations and then it can allow you to be productive without hopefully getting too overstretched because you don't feel you have to be doing it all. And you touched on guilt there. Guilt is such a huge thing, isn't it? It's definitely something that we see um, in the work I do for these Thrive workshops and uh, for caring professionals that guilt uh, that you're not doing enough at work, guilt that you're not doing enough at home. It's just Everywhere you look, it's possible to feel guilty. And that's quite, quite draining as well. It is about the labour, the work of thinking about this stuff, going through this process, being explicit. All that is, is, is basically management, isn't it? It's management planning 
for your workplace, except this place happens to be at home. Um, I think some things can help actually visual cues, I think can be quite helpful for you and for those around you. So I was just saying before we started recording, I always try and put work clothes on before anything like work tasks. So this is a podcast. It, I think it's on YouTube as well, but I've put my work clothes on and I've avoided that. don't know if you've ever done the pitfall where you wear the posh top for your zoom call, but keep <laughs> your tracky bottoms on. Um, yes. And right down to uh, right down to like, I don't know, slippers on your feet. And I used to do that. And I think that's fine when you're working because it can sometimes maybe even feel a luxury, like, oh, lucky me, I'm still being cosy and so forth. But the snag is when you then finish work and you're still wearing those slippers or those tracksuit bottoms, it sometimes fit makes it harder to signal to yourself you're off work and harder mm. to relax. So I that's definitely true for me. So I wear everything, including I've got my posh shoes on for you, Rachel. Have you now? <laughs> so go you on, show may us. not see them. Oh, okay, there you go. Little, this uh, is obviously for the people skin. watching on YouTube. Very nice. <laughs> oh, there you go. Lovely sort of snakeskin pumps. pumps. Lovely. Thing. Like Very those. good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, only for, only for work. So mm. I put them on, certain mindset is adopted and then take them off again and you sort of can tell yourself you're not working but it also helps for family members because then they just see you might say like you said to your daughter I'm but then they might see you walking down the corridor and be like oh look she's wearing these work shoes therefore it's another cue isn't it another uh, non-verbal cue Uh, and a lanyard is another helpful thing you might want to do for those of you who have a lanyard at work just put it on when you're working take it off when you're not Mm. and again that helps or simple things like walking around the block, walking around your garden, just some activity you do the beginning and the end of your workplace uh, or work time. And that gets onto this third space hack, which is basically an extension of these boundary rituals. Um, I think for a lot of us, we just talked about the challenges of the commute at the beginning, didn't we, with the cost and, and so on. But it did have a benefit, which we probably all might not have noticed when we were struggling in the traffic jams, um, that you do, it was a third space. It wasn't work or home. So on the way to work, you might be preparing or getting your mind set for work. And on the way home, it'd allow you to unwind. Um, and then we don't have that anymore if we're working from home. It might again happen if you're working virtually at work, but for those working at home. So again, it's about making, being creative about making that third space hack for yourself, whether it's changing the clothes. But I think a physical time can help, like a mini commute, hence walk around the garden or walk around the block to signal to yourself and again to those you live with that you know the transition is now over I'm now at work or I'm now I'm now at home Mm. and I think for those who work sorry who live alone there's a there's different challenges aren't there okay I think the boundaries are potentially more easily blurred and I think it can feel very difficult to switch off from work so I, I recommend people who live alone to try to plan some social connections outside work time yeah. it might just be walking around the block seeing going to your local shop or, or be it with a face mask you're still seeing some human beings or you know setting up you know walks with friends and just so that you're planning to have the social contact that might otherwise not have required planning pre pre-pandemic yeah I think doing that in that that space that we call the third space is is really helpful isn't it because yeah. I, I talk to lots of people about this third space I call it the decompression zone <laughs> because what we're doing on our commute is just reflecting on what's happened in the day um, resting a little bit perhaps <clears throat> as long as we're not <laughs> sitting stewing in a traffic jam and then sort of resetting our brains for what we're going to be coming into when we get home and 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 when it's just like so my my, work, my home life is just outside that door. And so there's not a lot of time to do that. So I have started um, 
going for a run or doing half an hour Pilates. So something that's going to demark where I can turn my, turn my brain off. Um, and I know lots of people go for walks or take the dog out for a walk or something. And I think if you've been working in your own and you're on, on, on your own in the evening, that is quite a good time, like you said, to make, to make a connection and have a little debrief from the day. Um, but we often just, just forget to do that, don't we? And, And that, really really blurs the boundaries also yeah. the other problem with not having this commute is that people can't listen to podcasts that is very true I now plan my podcast but luckily there's always a fair bit of a general life tidying up and I try and do that with podcast plan my podcast while I'm doing washing up while try not to drop the phone in the water um yeah, I think you do. But again, it's planning. I think that's one thing about working from home in the pandemic. It requires a lot more planning and sometimes some more creativity to basically emulate things that might have happened naturally uh, when we weren't working from home. There's a really good TED talk about this and we'll post the the link to the TED talk. I think it's with Adam Fraser um, talking about the, the third space, saying that some people do some mindfulness or some people like completely, like you said, change their clothes or have a shower or you know what is it's putting in some rituals actually one thing I another thing if I'm not going for one or something is just sitting and having a cup of tea with my other half and just having a a chat so something to signal the day is gone but then the the really important thing is to leave one's phone and leave one's laptop away because sometimes I go to the kitchen and find him sat on his laptop (laughs) and it's fine I'm like no this is end of the day stuff stop working but we do just think oh well I'm here anyway I might as well just just finish off that email or just do that that's really interesting yeah we've got um again pre-pandemic we got a very nice it's actually a wooden especially it's just a laptop stand that we put in the kitchen but it's next to the table on the floor and it has some um, lovely carpenter has written on it something no technology at the table and it's basically a place to put everything laptops phones and so again people do bring them to the table and you're like no put it here it's made of wood it somehow resonates with the fact that we're putting things away from the table in a in a uh, and they're in a wooden not a metal stand and that again is a visual cue I find that quite helpful for us as a family just to be like nope into the stand um and then obviously try and promote that's all doing the same thing together like you said so we're all having downtime yeah so the other thing about working from home is the physical aspect of it Mm. and the 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 aspect that we're just not moving around like we Mm. like we used to do so what sort of hacks do you have for that that's interesting isn't it I just have started using my trusty Fitbit other tracking devices are available uh, and that really came home to me I've actually only recently started using it but it is really evident when you have some activity tracker how much the time you're sedentary mm-hmm. um, so I think there's a few things about that actually the first is obviously move more uh, it's pretty simple to say but I think it's that how how do you do that so I think there's simple obvious things like we've already said like walk around the block you might want to have a run you might want to build in a yoga online and your lunch break so you can do all that and that's really important but I think there's some other evidence about how you move in just to build it into your day more so if you imagine for example your GP or hospital doctor you would have been up and down out of your chair calling every patient in that's quite a lot of getting up and down which you wouldn't naturally do otherwise so there's lots of things you can do you could set timers or reminders just to get out of your chair you could do something called desk exercise Rachel and I've done this before where you do a few literally just sitting or standing at your desk exercises so the idea is it doesn't take away a huge amount of time from your work but it's still getting your body moving there's standing desks I'm we're both standing at the moment um or just standing up I actually don't have a standing desk but when I I need to get one but when I 
I'm doing something like this, which is a podcast, I actually don't need to sit. I can stand up and talk to you. So um, I think just being a little bit creative and even having those thoughts cross your mind is helpful. Um, and then there's also some evidence about how we sit. There's some really interesting uh, uh, evidence about the type of sitting. So sitting in a chair is the most restful posture. So if you were to sit in a different way, for example, you might want to kneel or squat. Again, you might be able to do that. For example, that's where a laptop might be helpful. Put your laptop on a coffee table and just for half an hour, kneel at the laptop and work on it. Um, those things are use up more muscles or not use up more muscles. They take more muscle um, tone to sustain those postures. And that in itself is going to help your metabolic rate. So I think those things are helpful. And also small things like you might want to do, I don't know, eight minutes of Joe Wicks or a quick bit of hit, you know, a, literally a few minutes of activity mm -hmm. rather than a whole half hour. Um, Actually, one good good one, and I'll post it in the link. There's a, a chap called the Fitness Marshal. Have you come across him? No. Oh, he's hilarious. Does dan dance routines. So he's got a four-minute dance routine to Poker Face by Lady Gaga, which often I make people, in our, in the breaks when we're doing the Shapes Talk, I get people to turn off the cameras, you know, go for a 10-minute break, but do this dance on their on their own. It's, it's really funny, but it gets you moving and it just makes you feel so much better. It's only four minutes. Yeah. So you don't even break a sweat doing it. It's quite nice. Yeah, so I think those think exactly that. So again, like you said, having a child who's singing is sometimes a great thing. They'll get you remembering, you know, have a sing and a dance around the kitchen. Yeah, that if you're working from home, you get that opportunity well, they'll be singing, and then as soon as I start dancing, they'll just cringe with embarrassment and just say, <laughs> "Oh, mum, that's just so awful! You're dancing." You're like, "That yeah. is what we're here for. We're here to embarrass you." That's what Absolutely. Parents are for. Um, so yeah, so there's a few thoughts there about that, and I also think when it comes to actual sitting, there's sort of ways to think about that as well. At the very beginning, we all grabbed a laptop and sat on the sofa initially, but I think I don't know about you. There was definitely you get more aches and pains there, don't you? Mm. Sort of neck ache eye strain and again wrist strain because actually the positioning of your wrists on a laptop isn't ideal so I think um this this happened to me in the first lockdown because it was summertime then um how you sit and where you sit matters so I then started thinking about my posture uh, and I'm pretty short so I just had a proper sit down and think all basically that it's the rule of 90 degrees every bit every joint needs to kind of be 90 degrees ankle knee hip uh, shoulders elbows and if you can try and sit in that way and then find a desk and chair setup that fits that is really helpful uh, the health and safety executive have got a, a page on there called dse so health and safety executive website display screen equipment that's what the dse stands for it's got a whole page and it's got a little video which just really uh, simply maps out what i've just described it's sometimes helpful to have someone else look at you as well because you might think you're sitting kind of roughly square on but you might not be and again it's if you're going to be doing it for a long time it's worth taking a few minutes to set it up and then if as you if you find as i did that actually I wasn't sitting in that posture you don't need to get you can buy some fancy kit but you can just get a box so I've got a cutlery box it's about that big she says for those of you on YouTube um, and it's just the right size for my short legs so that sits under my desk and it's the perfect footstool so really simple stuff doesn't have to cost any money sometimes um, also there's stuff about the physical environment again I just like I said in the summer you know, I was downstairs in the kitchen. It was very bright and airy, but actually bright and airy translates to quite a lot of glare in mm. when you're working at your screen and it can be quite hot. And again, a few minutes, no big deal. But, you know, days and weeks are 
you can get headaches and glare related issues. So again, it's not rocket science, but worth getting a shade, a blind, trying to adjust your screen Mm. so you're not getting glare. Those with varifocals, it's quite common for people just to tip their chin back a bit in order to read a screen. Because if you think about a varifocal spectacle, the, le- the top half of the lens is for distance, the bottom half is for reading. There's actually only a very small part of that lens, which is for a computer screen, which is not at reading distance. It's not at far distance. Mm-hmm. So then you might you might ac- accommodate for that by chipping your tin back. Again, not a big deal for a few minutes, but do it over weeks and months. You can get quite a lot of strain or headaches. So can you get glasses that are specifically for screens? You can, you need to go to optician and have it. So it's just normal. Again, it's none of this is rocket science, but you just have to think about it and realise that's the cause um, rather than wondering why, you, why you're why you getting a sore neck. Um, yeah, you can go to opticians, do an eye check, tell them what you're doing and how you're working. And you can get, um, they're, they're called, I think you can get fixed distance glasses for screens, but you can also get occupational varifocals. So instead of being at the top half of your lens being distance and the bottom being reading distance i think the bottom part is reading distance and the top half is computer distance it's just so it's designed for those two activities you do while working in an office um there's all there's all possible but you just need to do that planning piece uh and getting it sorted but again simple stuff but really really helpful because otherwise what can happen is you know quite significant migraines serious back problems and over time they can be quite distracting and affect your productivity and your well-being which we've obviously been talking about so i think all of that stuff I get it. You're pushed for time. And with over 200 episodes, how do you know which is going to be the one that lifts you out of the saucepan and back to thriving at work? Never fear, the You Are Not A Frog podcast quiz is here. Find out if you're a super squirrel, brilliant badger or mighty mole, and I'll send you a personalised playlist with the top five episodes that will make the biggest difference to you. Discover your top of the hops top five episodes sorry and leap into your happiest thriving self again just go to you are not a slash quiz it's worth just thinking about and i think sometimes you need to ref- step back and reflect how is this how am i doing this what is the process i'm using for my work um and thinking of it in those terms rather than just again jumping on the sofa with a laptop um so, so there's movement breaks, there's making sure your setup is, is properly okay. And then uh, I noticed one of your hacks is also taking breaks. Yes. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I love, uh, I love taking a break. But I think, yeah, breaks are important, aren't they? Because I think there's a lot of evidence they really help productivity. And they've done some really interesting studies with surgeons where they uh, had surgeon do a, two surgeons uh, do the same surgery. One took no break, one made the patient safe and midway through surgery took a short break didn't separate from the patient but just literally took a break and looked out the window essentially for a minute or two and the sur- and the operations were the same length which shows that the, the the function or the performance of the surgeon who took the break was better after the break which i think might help people feel a bit less guilty because i think guilt is a factor quite a big factor i think when we are working from home in particular we feel that we can't take a break we need to demonstrate we're working because there's no one actually physically seeing us so talk about that and talk a bit more about workplace trust um, so, 
interesting with breaks, I also read something about the fact that they looked at parole board judges in the US and they looked at how lenient they were with prisoners coming up on parole and wh- whether it was related to the, the the nature of the prisoner's crimes, any, any unconscious biases that they had, anything like that. And they found that the one thing that decided if a judge was going to be lenient with someone and let them out of prison or put them back in prison for another nine months or so was the time uh, that had elapsed between the ne- the nearest snack. Yeah. <laughs> so how long had they had some sugar? And if they had had a snack in the, you know, very recently, they were really lenient. And if they were hungry, they were horrible. Yeah. And it just made me think, oh, hang on a sec. What, what does that mean for me when I'm with my kids or people with patients or, you know, really makes a difference, doesn't it? makes a massive difference. I think that's really interesting, isn't it? I've actually started using the Pomodoro technique, which you probably know about, where you have your four 30 or 25 minute breaks with a five minute break in between. And then at the end of that four, you have a a longer break. And that makes a massive difference to me because again, it makes me, it's a discipline, makes you take that break at the end of half hour. I actually have a, a, for those on YouTube, a sand timer, because I thought I'm a bit too classy for a Pomodoro for those who don't know Pomodoro That's I think it's 25 Italian, minute timer that it's a 25 time. minute timer yeah and the Pomodoro technique was, was using a tomato shaped kitchen timer from I think it was an Italian university students just sort of worked it out uh, in the couple of years ago um but I thought yeah I'm you know I'm going to go for an egg time a uh, sand timer not a kitchen timer but yeah you know, I, I look for one for exactly that time 25 minutes and then it finishes and it gives you a visual cue as you work through your time how much more time until the next break which I think is a motivational thing as well yeah. and then it helps you work on your productivity by it's quite helpful to plan how many pomodoros how many 30 minute but um spans of time you think your task will take and then how long it actually did take which then can aid future planning and productivity so I think there's quite a lot of ways you can use breaks in planning and segments to help Mm. Um, I think that Pomodoro technique you know they did work out didn't they that 25 minutes was the optimal time to concentrate until you just need to switch your brain off mm. and there is there is good reason to switch your brain off in fact I learned this from a book that got sent out from my son's school about how to learn you know (laughs) Kids, when you're learning, your brain is in focus mode. You're really concentrating, linear brain waves. But when you take a break, you start wandering around and your brain flips over to diffuse mode. Your brain waves are crossing both cerebral hemispheres and you're solving problems and you're being creative. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to be creative and solve problems and be more productive, you've got to take those breaks to put your brain into that diffuse mode. It's interesting, I think that's, isn't that's something it? I never learned about in medical school, I tell you. That's very true. Now, it's interesting. And I, yeah, I, I wonder about that. There's some something I read about if you're on a break, don't use your phone. So you literally need to be switching off from that focus mode. So no screens at all on your break. Um, and even some evidence that just looking out the window, yeah, assuming you're looking uh, at something natural versus um, um, other sort of concrete buildings, that, that can be beneficial, again, for that same reason that it's encouraging you to look in a different way and think, perceive data in a different way. Um, yeah, really interesting stuff. And I, one of your previous podcasts had a really lovely talk about um, uh, how when you, when you take your exercise, you can grow, is it brain growth factor? Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. and I was like, that's another reason to take a break. You sprout your dendrites when yeah. you do that and you take some exercise, yeah. yeah. Another reason just to get help, help your cognition by taking a break. Yeah, um, yeah really interesting stuff, actually. Yeah. And they did something in uh, 2014, the WHO did a paper on the social determinants of health. It's quite a big paper, but there's a small nugget in there about having a pot plant in your office 
was beneficial. So again, nature's beneficial, but even if you can't get to nature, just having a pot plant, looking at the pot plant on your break, watering the pot plant, whatever it is, that is linked to, I think it was improved mood and improved performance in office workers. Um, It's really simple things to do on your breaks that are not screen related so i've got a pot plant in the corner Uh, well that counts yes i've got a pot plant here mine uh, can't count even though it's fake (laughs) i don't know know i've got a succulent because i had normal plants and i forgot to water them and then they died get a fake one no one will ever know apart from if you talk about it on your podcast (laughs) i didn't know yeah you've blown your cover there i have blown it sorry everyone but i like my fern it's very nice yeah it looks quite healthy it's really healthy (laughs) So yeah, I did something with a live one and then it died, which isn't good. So I, instead of yeah, fake, I, I went, kill plants. I'm uh, really bad, but I love looking at them. So hence, hence, if anyone's got any plant good, false, false fake plant websites, please send them to me because I'm go. always on the lookout. So. I would recommend a succulent for that reason. Yeah. They, they, okay. They, they they're quite difficult to kill, aren't they? They're very difficult to kill. Yeah. So, right. I'm going to have a succulent, put it in my windowsill over there so I can see it. So we haven't got a huge amounts of time left, but I did want to just touch on your last couple of uh, tips for uh, working well from home. And these are, I think, interlinked really about connecting with people and trust within the workplace. I know we've already talked about the, the importance, you know, particularly if you're living on your own. But, you know, why is why is connecting so important? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Again, pre-pandemic, it was something that we might have had to think sort of would have seen odd but now I think we all know at least intuitively that we do need to connect socially because we've all struggled with lack of connection but I think at work I think it's important to remember that at work you're dealing with other human beings too so it's about trying to foster that human side of the connection so you might be having zoom calls emailing your colleagues and maybe more of that than hitherto but it's a I think it's about remembering the human side because like we said about um the emotional labor I think workplace relationships require building and fostering and nurturing that's how teams grow and develop and thrive so you need to think about those non-work contacts they don't have to take a lot of time but you may be just allowing a bit of non-work chat at the beginning of a zoom call maybe having some zoom work drinks you know so some connections that work related that are not are not about completing tasks so an away day or a christmas drinks would have been an example but it's about doing those things virtually Um, and also Screens, I think, as we just said, take up a lot of cognitive, it takes up a lot of your, your brain space to look at a screen. So I think allowing people to look away from the screen uh, and not be not being offended if that happens, maybe just using an old fashioned phone, um, because I think sometimes we're more familiar, it can actually feel a bit more intimate. You listen to people's tone of voice and I think you might connect better. Maybe a walk and talk phone call, maybe for a brainstorming meeting when you both put your headphones in and walk about. And then, um, yeah, maybe for some types of work and definitely for non-work relationships, like post, send people something actually physical they can touch and handle, which is helpful, or a thank you card and bits like that. Um, So I think those things are quite helpful and we need to build that in. And now we're kind of allowed to go for a walk, isn't it? A walk with one person and so forth. You know, trying to build that in, it can be a, a work colleague as well. You could do that, have some exercise together. Just trying again to be creative, to build and foster those human connections because they are really the glue that sticks the workplace together. Mm. Um, I'm such a big fan of the get on the phone and walk and talk. So, you know, get a decent pair of headphones to your phone and just, and I, I, I completely agree. And I've have read an article recently about the fact that we are so much more empathic on the phone mm. than we are on a virtual thing. Uh, uh, mm. That was really interesting to me because you'd think you can still hear people's tones of voice on video because yeah. you're looking at them as well. But the problem is the cues you're getting, they're not 
the same because 2D is never the same. Yeah. You're not, you know, I'm now looking at you. I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at my camera. Yeah. And it feels like you're looking at you, but most people look at you and now, now it feels like I'm not looking and you look a bit disengaged and all that sort of stuff. That's really interesting. That's right. Of course. Yeah. I think that might be a large part of it, actually. Um, yeah. And I think it's we're more familiar, aren't we? We've been on the phone for years and years. So I think we've just been we're a bit better at it. We're a bit better at mm-hmm. taking the listening to the cues and, and so on. And I think you do pay more attention to tone of voice when you don't have the vision included. And I think it's even worse if you're on a meeting so you've got lots of little squares of people it's very difficult to connect with all of those people I think one-on-one it's easier so I think yeah those are all quite important factors I think and then those feed into the the last point about trust isn't it so I think we touched on this before I think there's a bit of I think maybe from both sides if you're worse but this is maybe less if you're self-employed more if you have a a manager but you you might feel you have to prove you're working because they're not there witnessing you so you might oh I need to send that email at 11 p.m to prove I'm working so hard but usually that just is essentially a form of presenteeism when you're at work but you're not being very productive it's Mm. probably better for everybody if you just take the breaks we talked about and then be productive in your work hours and then take a proper break but the thing that that hinges on is trust you know so from both but it's a two-way thing between you and your manager and it's about setting expectations being clear as we've said and explicit but there is an I think it needs to be understood on both sides that working from home is not the same as working at work you won't be available in the same way people literally can't walk down the corridor and open your door and you're there they have to call you you might not answer there's maybe a bit more planning for meetings um and that's just the way it is at the moment so I think it's about understanding and accepting and and working together on on those things um and I've noticed that relationships that started pre-pandemic so teams that were formed and worked together in quote real life I think some of them found it easier to transition to home working and tech companies and so on were doing this a lot anyway people who started a new role in lockdown and started working with colleagues who they have never met or they might only see on Zoom, or some people, you know, they might only hear them on the phone and never see their face. I think those relationships are harder to build and teams are harder to build. And again, gets back to the previous point, trying to build that connection to offset those challenges. Yeah, that is that is really tricky. And I've certainly got quite a few people that I've been working with who have started in their roles during the pandemic. So oh. I've never met people face to face. Yeah. And it's something we talk about a lot in my resilient team academy. It's about how do you have these informal connections because you've got to make them formal because you've got to arrange your time to have them so whereas before you'd just be wandering about by the coffee machine or the water dispenser and you'd be able to just go oh hi how are you and you'd, you'd solve a problem how do you actually schedule those in and I know quite a few people are slightly allergic to the virtual coffee break because it's a bit awkward right and you get on and no one knows what to say but I always say to people firstly don't try and do it in a massive group because yeah. small talk a big group is really hard do it in like twos or threes or, or even yeah. fours max and then secondly give yourself something to talk about so say right we're going to talk about right what's your biggest challenge what's your biggest challenge make it useful solve a problem together and you automatically get over this what do I talk about you then get over the it's a waste of my time doing it and and actually it becomes really really helpful so I think we need to get a little bit more creative about what, what we're actually doing yeah, that's interesting. There's a tech company who who used to do this, and I think that's been adopted more broadly. Exactly that. They actually would set up, I think they got people out of a hat. So these people who are working virtually anyway, pre-pandemic, and they'd pull names out of a hat, set them to pairs of people who never met each other before into a virtual Zoom room. And just, I think they had to talk about a hobby or something unwork related. And then that was it. That was the whole task. But those things gradually end up being glued. Because then when, if, I don't know, 
Bob and Jane have a meeting and then later on they actually have a work meeting. Then they're like, oh, I remember you love skiing. And, you know, it's all those small things, like you said, that would have naturally arisen. Um, mm. And it's about trying to plan them without it feeling too awkward but they still kind of need to be done, don't they? Because they are the glue that yeah. sticks it together. There's a lovely podcast um, called Work Life with Adam Grant. And um, it's fantastic. And they were talking about how you build up connections in the workplace. And the one thing they realised really, they, they basically got a load of strangers, put them into twos and said, right, your task in three minutes is to make a deep connection or maybe more <laughs> than three minutes. And they looked at what they talked about. And actually what they they really tried, you know, what, what, what book has influenced you the most in the last year? You know, what significant thing has happened to you? That worked really nicely. But then they said to these, these pairs of strangers, I now want you to give each other feedback on how that was for you. Yeah. And they'd be going, oh, well, I was initially a bit awkward, but then it was quite good. And I thought, well, we could connect on this. And it was that self-disclosure of giving the feedback that, that really formed the deep connection. Mm. Yeah. And they came out with this fact that it only takes apparently 40 seconds to make a deep connection with someone. Gosh. That's brilliant. So it actually doesn't take too long. But if there's a bit of self-disclosure yeah. and, and, and the other thing was finding uncommon commonality, like, oh, we both love making model boats. Yeah. And <laughs> or we both love right. something. Let's find something that's that's common to us that no, that isn't to anyone else. That really does does help. So I think it's just knowing that can be really helpful. That is interesting, isn't it? And again, it's about willingness on part of both people to be a little bit vulnerable. I mean, essentially, that's what it is, isn't it? That's what connection is. It's about being authentic, but you need to be willing. And if there's a barrier like a screen, then I think you need to just be a little bit more more willing to overcome those barriers um, than you might be uh, at the around, like you said, around the coffee machine. Yeah, willing and creative. And don't forget that, you know, work drinks late in the evening and is not going to suit a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> and exactly what can that. you do? And if, if possible, do a task together that, that forges connections quicker than anything yeah. else. So. Games, playing games, all those kinds of things. Yeah, yeah, really important. So, Katya, we've covered an awful lot there. If you were <laughs> wanted to give people sort of three main take home messages about how oh. to work virtually really well, what would they be? Golly, three top tips. Three top tips. Yeah. I think. Um, I think boundaries are really important and all the different things we've discussed about boundaries. Um, I think moving is really important because within that, of course, it falls the topic of breaks as well. So so bound, think about your boundaries, think about how you're going to move. Um, and then I think the third thing is one of my favourites, which is about permission, giving yourself permission to look after yourself, giving yourself permission to think about these and implement these things, giving yourself permission to have the break, do the movement, speak to your boss about what's realistic. I think, again, as in so many things, if you don't give yourself permission, you can't access all these other strategies. You've got to notice how you're doing, give yourself permission to do what works for you, uh, knowing that it's going to benefit you and those around you. Um, yeah, I think those would be my three. So for me, out of all of that, it's the, that planning piece. It's you can't just sit down and work from home and expect it to happen really well. Yeah. You've got to think about what do I need? What's going to work for me physically? What's going to work for me emotionally? What's going to work for the team? And what changes do I need to make to make it work? And it may be spending a little bit of money on a decent pair of glasses or a standing desk or, a, or some equipment that you need or a subscription to some sort of gym app that makes, means you can do it. I don't know, but, you know, what is it? You know, and a bit of investment in yourself, really important. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, I think you're right. It's about, again, and again, permission to do that, looking after yourself, investing in yourself, because knowing it will be all right for for the benefit, it'll help others as well as yourself, definitely. Um, Katya, thank you so much. That's been really super helpful. If people wanted to contact you, how can they find you? 
Oh, yes. Uh, website, workingwelldoctor.com. Um, if you would like this ebook, there is actually a tab on the top which says free ebook. Uh, so you could go to the website and, and, and sort of click on the link to, to get that. Um, yeah, my email, theworkingwellexperience at gmail.com, just for any anything. Um, and I hang out on social media, as they say. So I'm on Instagram uh, at working underscore well underscore doctor. Uh, I think I'm Katia Miles Working Well on Facebook and I'm on LinkedIn. It'd be lovely to see you guys anywhere, any of those places. Great. Thank you so much, Katia. And we'll have to get you back another time uh, because there's loads more we can talk about this. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be good fun. Brilliant. See you soon. See you. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please share it with your friends and colleagues. Please subscribe to my You Are Not A Frog email list and subscribe to the podcast. And if you have enjoyed it, then please leave me a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. So keep well, everyone. You're doing a great job. You got this.